The IRS code says pastors are not permitted to endorse or oppose candidates from the pulpit without risking their church's tax-exempt status. We'll interview an attorney and a pastor trying to get this law overturned. Plus, we'll talk with gospel singer and songwriter Gloria Gaither about prayer. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Pastors have a constitutional right to preach from the Bible, to speak scriptural truth about all matters in American life, and that includes talking about our potential leaders of our government. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Penna Dexter. That was Gary McCaleb. He is senior counsel with the Alliance Defense Fund. There he is addressing the constitutional rights that pastors have. Now, since 1964, 1954, Pastors have been restricted from endorsing or opposing candidates for public office from the pulpit. Now, there's an effort to change this, and it's being spearheaded by the Alliance Defense Fund. On September 28th this summer, about 50 pastors will willfully disobey that part of the IRS code, and we're going to see then what happens in the courts. This uh, clip is from a video the Alliance Defense Fund put out on their pulpit project. In this past year alone, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, one of several secular advocacy groups like the ACLU, filed 13 complaints with the IRS over alleged church politicking. In July 2007, the agency reported that it was reviewing complaints involving 44 churches and 56 other nonprofits related to the 2006 election cycle. But these threats have no constitutional foundation. That is from the video from the Alliance Defense Fund. Sort of explains the situation and why this pulpit project is necessary. Just in a few minutes, we are going to speak with the attorney from ADF who's heading up this project. He's Eric Stanley, and he'll join us in just a moment. Also, I had the privilege of speaking earlier in the week with Gloria Gaither. And, of course, she's part of that Grammy Award-winning, Dove Award-winning team. Lots of great gospel music. She's also an author, though, and she's got a new book out, The Sub is prayer. We're going to air that interview later in the program. But first of all, did you know that there was a plot to kill President Bush when he visited Israel this year? Some arrests have actually been made in this, and guess what? They're part of an al-Qaeda wing. Here's that report. Israeli security arrested six young Arabs, two of them Israeli citizens and the others Palestinians. The Israeli Shin Bet security agency says they had bomb-making instructions on their computers. One photographed President Bush's helicopter landing here in January and they contacted an al-Qaeda website about how to attack the president. 
It's the second time in a month that Arabs have been arrested here on suspicion of links to al-Qaeda. Mark Levy, Tel Aviv. Al-Qaeda is part of this big shocker. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Barack Obama is heading overseas. He'll be going to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Israel. He'll have three network anchors with him, Charlie Gibson, Katie Couric, and Brian Williams. And uh, this morning, I believe it was on the Today Show, yes, NBC Today Show, uh, former presidential candidate Mitt Romney was talking about this. He was asked uh, how voters are going to view this Barack Obama trip uh, to the Middle East. Well, I think they see it as a campaign swing more than a fact-finding tour. I think it's unfortunate that he developed his policy with regards to the surge before he was actually there to see how the surge might be progressing. Uh, as a matter of fact, had he been president a year ago, he would have said no to the surge, pulled out our troops, and we would have been in a setting where al-Qaeda would be planning attacks against America from Iraq. So we're fortunate he wasn't uh, president, and, uh, and it's only unfortunate that he wasn't doing this, uh, this tour at a time when it could have uh, shaped his policy with regards to to Iraq and foreign policy. Barack Obama is also going to Europe, and uh, he is, it's very clear, burnishing his foreign policy credentials with this trip. So I think we're not going to talk a lot about this today, but to look at this, as we watch this trip, I think folks need to be aware of a couple of things. First, he's got 300 foreign policy advisors right now. And in my mind, that uh, just sort of reiterates the fact that there's not a whole lot of there there in his foreign policy positions. He does have some growing uh, to do. But this is no question a campaign trip. He's going to speak to crowds over in Europe, and I think the idea is to show American voters that Europe loves him. Uh, He wanted to speak in front of the Brandenburg Gate, and I thought that was very presumptuous. A lot of people did. He's been criticized. The Germans pushed him away from that whole idea, and uh, he would have, I think, been uh, basically sort of Uh, making a statement that he thinks he is president already. Now, Reagan spoke there. The first President Bush, even though he presided over the falling of the the Berlin Wall, declined to go there, sort of a show of modesty. So for uh, Obama to even think about going to the Brandenburg Gate, I think, was quite audacious. And Charles Krauthammer, columnist, said that in a column. And uh, you might want to go look for that on Real Clear Politics if you want to think about this. But I think we should be thinking about uh, the motive for such a trip as we watch it happen, and uh, the media will definitely be making uh, a lot of hay out of it. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to get back to the uh, subject at hand, and with us to do this is Eric Stanley from Alliance Defense Fund. And Eric, I'm so glad you're with us because uh, we have already announced that on September 28th there are going to be pastors, part of your pulpit project, uh, really educating their um, their parishioners about the candidates in light of Scripture and this is supposed to be illegal. So tell us about this whole initiative. Well, thanks for having me on. And this whole initiative is all about the fact that pastors have a right to speak about biblical truths from the pulpit without any fear of punishment. And what we're saying by this initiative is that no one should be able to use the government to intimidate pastors into giving up their constitutional rights. A lot of people may not realize it, but that's exactly what's been happening over the last 50 years or so. And so what we're doing by this pulpit initiative is telling pastors to preach a sermon on September 28th. We're looking for about 50 different churches to participate. There is still room to be involved. Uh, And we want pastors to freely speak from the pulpit, evaluating the candidates for office in light of Scripture, and making specific recommendations in light of Scripture. And this isn't about political speech, though. It's about religious speech, and it's about a pastor applying the Bible to every area of life, being free to do that, even in the area of 
candidates for office. We love to have David Barton on this program, and I have seen David Barton holding in his hands during a speech a book of election sermons that took place in the early days of our country. Pastors, up until a certain point in our history, did endorse candidates from the pulpit, and they did oppose candidates, didn't they? Well, they did. You know, it was, it was commonplace during our history that pastors spoke freely from the pulpit, uh, endorsing or opposing candidates based on what Scripture said without worrying about tax exemption until about 1954 or so. You know, that was when Lyndon Johnson amended the tax code uh, in a revenge motive to get, back from some non- for, to get back at some nonprofits who were opposing his candidacy. And this law that was passed, the Johnson Amendment, was passed without debate, without analysis, without any, any effort to uh, really understand what the heritage of the pulpit was in America, that pastors spoke freely about these issues from the pulpit, Suddenly overnight, pastors were censored, uh, and really what has evolved over the last 54 years or so is an atmosphere of fear and intimidation against the church, uh, where churches are feeling silenced and censored. And what we're saying by this is that pastors have this right to speak truth, and they shouldn't be intimidated into giving up that constitutional right. Many times, Eric, uh, nothing happens, but these pastors are so afraid of losing their tax-exempt status that they they sort of err on the side of caution, and they stay away from these issues, don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, They really stay away from these issues. And, you know, the IRS has really stepped up its enforcement efforts against churches over the last several years, and the IRS has even been used as uh, an accomplice, a tool in the hands of, of leftist organizations like Americans United for Separation of Church and State, and they will file flimsy allegations against uh, churches with the IRS. And what will happen is the IRS will investigate churches. And for a church that goes through that process with the IRS, uh, the process itself becomes the punishment. Uh, And most churches then will simply be silent uh, and not speak out about these issues instead of understanding that they do have constitutional rights that the Johnson Amendment was unconstitutional when it was passed. It's unconstitutional now. And so the pulpit initiative, what we're doing here, is a way to challenge the Johnson Amendment, to have it declared unconstitutional as it's applied to a pastor's sermon from the pulpit, and really to restore the heritage of the pulpit in America. You've got some pastors who are part of this. We've got one that's actually going to join us later in the program. But if they do this, okay, and then they get in trouble with the IRS, the IRS comes after them, and Barry Lynn from Americans United will be pointing the IRS to these churches. So, uh, you know, there are legal costs involved. ADF is there to shore them up, right? Well, we are. You know, this is, a, this is an initiative that we're pouring all of our resources in. And, you know, we uh, will represent any of the churches that are in this project. We are representing them free of charge. There won't be any legal fees associated with the case at all. And this is a strategic project. We want churches uh, really to come to the attention of the IRS. When the IRS investigates the churches, then ADF will file a lawsuit on behalf of the church and we'll seek to have the Johnson Amendment declared unconstitutional. And so, you know, we are, we're seeking churches that are uh, certainly aware of the risks, but also aware of the, the potentially huge benefits uh, that come in with this. And the risks are, are very minimal and fairly small uh, in this project. But we will represent these churches. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, we're not going away, frankly, until the Johnson Amendment is declared unconstitutional. And the pulpit is a place uh, where... The government is out of. You know, it's, it's the job of the pastor to determine what his sermon says, not the IRS. 
Alliance Defense Fund is serious about this. I think you can tell. That is Eric Stanley, and he is heading up a pulpit project. He's a litigator, and he is senior legal counsel at Alliance Defense Fund. And I think, uh, could you kind of help us if there are folks listening either in a church or maybe a pastor who feel like they want to step up and get involved in this, Eric, how can they do this? Well, it's very easy. We've set up a website that everybody can go to. It's on our website. It's called uh, telladf.org forward slash church, telladf.org forward slash church. And on that website, it has some documents that explain the pulpit initiative. It has some answers to some frequently asked questions and even some questions uh, about the risks associated with the project and and really uncovering that the risks are, are very, very minimal here, but the benefits are huge. Uh, it's got a video there that churches and pastors can, can listen to and watch. But the most important thing is there is a place there for pastors to sign up. And we need pastors to sign up. Uh, we're seeking 50 churches to be involved in this project. We're well on our way towards that number, but there are still spots available, and we need some good quality churches to sign up for this initiative. So I would urge everyone out there, if you've got a pastor who's interested, uh, send them to the website. If you're a pastor, go to the website. Uh, review the material, sign up, and we'll be in contact with you fairly quickly uh, to get you in the process to be involved and answer all your questions. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we're going to do our best to let folks know about this project, but we appreciate your joining us today just to explain things. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Granting tax exemption is to encourage religion. It's a way of removing government, uh, but government has been using it as a club, and that's what this is all about. Uh, Next up, we're going to uh, interview a pastor who is involved with this. His name is Gus Booth, but right now, listen to this. Now, I don't order their lives. I don't go tell them what to do. They're going to make their own choices, but I'm going to speak into their lives. And if I'm not speaking into their lives on the issues that, is, that have made the nation great and the issues that God cares about, then who is? If they put me out, if they lock the door of the church, then I'll be preaching on the porch. If they, if they take me off the porch, then I'll preach in the parking lot. And if they do that, I'll stand out in the middle of the freeway and preach there. In the next decade or so, what America will be for the next few hundred years, I believe, will be decided. Would you want to be someone who stood by and did nothing and had no voice in changing America for good? that lives through years of regret that you did nothing when you could have spoken out? Or will you be someone, no matter how small your congregation is or how large your congregation is, who'll take up the challenge to follow Christ and endure momentary discomfort with trying to figure out how to articulate the message? That is a little price to pay for the benefit that we could bring to the entire culture. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field, and Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit chriswell.edu. 
Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter sitting in for Dr. Johnson, who, by the way, will actually be back in the studio next week. We're looking forward to having having him broadcasting the program. Uh, but right now, I want to read uh, from the June 20th edition of WorldNet Daily. It says, Gus Booth, a pastor in War Road, Minnesota, preached from the pulpit, and I'm quoting him, If you are a Christian, you cannot support a candidate like Barack Obama, knowing that he was violating the federal tax code and jeopardizing his church tax-exempt status. This is what uh, Gus Booth was doing by preaching this, uh, but he still did it. He's with us now to talk about why. Gus, thank you for joining me. Hello, it's good to talk to you. We've just been talking with Eric Stanley from the Alliance Defense Fund about the Pulpit Project, and uh, you've already kind of done what they're asking folks to do in September. Tell us what you did. Uh, Yeah, basically, um, I just preached the sermon. I mean, that quote is about the most quoted part of the whole sermon. Um, And we just think that, as a church, the IRS has made a law that is in competition with the Constitution, and we want to rectify that. We want to change that. And it's just really that simple. Now, I understand that you, uh, after you did this, you sent letters to both Barry Lynn of Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, who always loves to highlight churches he thinks are disobeying the law, and you sent a letter to the IRS. Why did you do that? Well, we sent a letter to the IRS simply because I don't feel like I did anything wrong, and I didn't want to hide it. Okay, And we ultimately want that law changed, so unless the IRS knows that we did something that they disagreed with, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to do anything about it. The reason we sent it to the Americans United is because we know that we they see themselves as a watchdog organization, and they're going to report us. So it was all part of a strategy to make sure that the IRS find it, you know, found out what we did, and that they inquire uh, further. I've got a couple of more questions for you, but first I want to open up the phones, ladies and gentlemen. The number is 800-881-9270. Do you think pastors should preach about political candidates, endorse or oppose them directly from their pulpits? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. You can also tell us what you think about this effort on the part of 50 pastors on September 28th uh, to actually disobey this part of the IRS code and go ahead and talk about these candidates and their... Uh, endorsement or opposition of them. Gus, are you going to go ahead and do this again with the other pastors on September 28th? Yes, I am. And uh, do you have a different plan of how to do this differently, or are you going to kind of go ahead with the same type of strategy? Yeah, it'll be similar, Um, and I don't know exactly. I mean, that's a long ways away. I've got a lot of sermons to preach between now and then. Right. You're not writing your sermon for September 28th yet. No, no. But I do know that ADF is helping people that need help in how to do this, this sermon, aren't they? I guess I don't know for sure. If they are, they haven't told me yet. No, I don't think you need to be told. (laughs) All right, Gus, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, what you're doing. I know you're making a point, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to know what you think about this. Uh, Are you uh, in admiration of pastors like Gus Booth who are taking a stand? And uh, basically breaking the law in trying to get the law changed, bringing a court case, 
ADF could take this up to the Supreme Court. They've won many cases in the Supreme Court. So uh, let's uh, go back to the phones and see what everybody has to say about it. Iris is in Rockwall. Iris, thanks for calling. Oh, hi. I just wanted to say that this is the first I've heard of the initiative, and I think it's wonderful. And I'm involved in a church that has God and government small groups and are very politically active. So I think this is fantastic. I was not aware of um, that decision, of, uh, of that uh, uh, that ruling. And um, the ruling was, was made in 1954. It actually changed the, it amended the tax code, and uh, so it's been around a while. Yeah, I was a little girl at that time, so yeah. that, that's the first time I've heard of that. But I know of a lot of intimidation that goes in on churches in churches because of that, and I just say go for it. I'm. I think if there was ever a political year that um, uh, that churches needed to uh, speak the truth in life and love and and pastors needed to preach the truth of the Bible um, and what it stands for, uh, this is the year that it needs to happen. It is an important year, Iris, and thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. The question out on the table is, should pastors uh, preach from the pulpit sort of an endorsement of a candidate for uh, political office or an opposition of a candidate. It's not just talking about the issues here. We're talking about the actual people. Uh, We've got Tyler calling in from Arlington. Arlington, thanks for calling. I'm sorry, Tyler, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Well, um, my comment is, back to your question, yes. Um, I think for too long, um, because of this fear of attacking incest, pastors have been afraid, as well as many other leaders and churches have been afraid to actually speak into the issues that are bogging down the parishioners of their congregation. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is a daily thing that, that people have to worry about and listen, you know, about the laws being passed and the um, ideas that are in front of Congress, and it's about time the, the pastors um, honestly put on their little war helmet and, and preach the truth. You know, I've got my Newsweek in front of me, and it's got a picture of Barack Obama praying, and it's uh, faith and politics, what he believes. And so he's claiming the mantle of being a Christian candidate. So in a sense, uh, when people say that uh, you can't uh, endorse or oppose a candidate from the pulpit, and we just had a couple callers say this was an important year for pastors to be able to do something like this. It is an important year for people to understand where pastors stand if they're trying to use uh, religion, if a candidate is trying to use religion to get elected, because we've got a lot of confusion out there about where these candidates stand. So in a sense, pastors do hold some authority. Our question on the table again is, and the number is 800-881-9270, should pastors be able to endorse or oppose candidates for office from the pulpit? Let's go to David from Mesquite. David, thanks for calling in. Hey, uh, Panda. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with what they're doing. I think it's way overdue. I was been wait, wondering when somebody would step up to the plate. It's and, funny because uh, I thought we'd have some people calling in saying, no, 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 I don't want to hear political talk from the pulpit in my church. I just want to go. Uh, I, this, my, my view is that this is one of the most important elections we've had in probably over half a century, and that... Uh, you know, if uh, we don't need another Bill Clinton in office, and my view is that Obama will just be another form of Clinton in the office, and it'll be another eight years. And you think pastors ought to be able to tell their their folks that? Oh yeah, they okay. should always. They should. Uh, they should have the right, and they do have the right 
to speak their views just like anybody else, regardless of what their position is. Okay, David, thank you. You seem to agree with most of the folks that have been calling in, but we've got lots more calling. Let's go to Michael in May Pearl. Yeah, I believe that uh, that they should be able to preach, uh, you know, if, if they feel that God's got a candidate out there and and uh, but I just really feel they need to that they need to concentrate on glorifying Jesus Christ and, and lifting him up and preaching the truth. You know, we we need to worry about winning lost people to Christ and uh, being salt and light to the world, you know, first and foremost. That's the first and foremost, but you still think there could be some politicking in there? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'd love to hear from somebody who doesn't, who definitely thinks that we should keep any political positions, even endorsements and opposition of candidates, out of the pulpit completely. If you think that, give us a call, 800-881-9270. Actually, any side of this question is welcome. Let's go to Teresa in Granbury. Hello. Go ahead. Uh, I definitely agree that what the pastors are doing is a great thing. I think it should have been done a long time ago. Uh, I also agree that this is one of, or the most important election in the last 50 years. Hmm. And what what the Christians do or don't do is going to make or break this country. Uh, Jesus said that by your fruits you shall know them. And so if a pastor gets up there and starts saying, well, look at the fruits, look at the way... Barack Obama has voted. Look at the way... Uh, and to even say, okay, but voted. the line is, I think, is, okay, Barack Obama voted for uh, a pro-abortion law or against a pro-life law, so you should oh, yeah. not vote for him I mean, for president. The, That's okay? He's probably the most liberal senator in the whole Congress. Okay, he's great. more liberal than Kennedy is. Thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go now to Charles in Dallas. Charles, are you there? Hello. Hi, Charles. What's your uh, thought on this question of the day? Yes. Uh, we are in church for worship and that only. And the pastor is there to bring us a word from God. He is not there to be bringing political speech or his opinion. Okay. And I think he needs to stay out of it, and these guys should be jailed. And I will quit a church the minute I hear that kind of talk in the pulpit. Okay, Charles, I was hoping that we would get somebody uh, that would give an answer like that, because I think that is uh, the opinion of of a lot of people. And, uh, folks, we are uh, throwing out this question. Its segment is winding down now, but we've had a lot of callers say that they think it's okay to endorse or oppose a candidate from the pulpit. A pastor can do it. Tax-exempt status should not uh, be uh, threatened by this, but that is not the way the law stands right now. Alliance Defense Fund is trying to change that, and they're pulling together pastors that will actually disobey, and uh, that's what's going on. Only Charles has opposed that so far in our list of callers. We've got one more caller before the end of the uh, segment, and that's Clay in Flower Mound. Clay, Clay, thanks for waiting. Hi, thanks for taking my call. What do you think here on this question? Oh, this is a, a really important question, uh, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And when you have laws like this, I think that's taken away from that. Also, there is a true order of authority in this country. We are actually one nation under God, under Constitution. And that's the, uh, that's the real, uh, that's the real uh, 
the truth of the matter, the inconvenient truth, so to speak. I think uh, when this whole project is finished, that is the goal, is to show what really is constitutional and what is not. Thank you so much, Clay, for calling in. I know Michael is on the line and he disagrees uh, with this initiative, but we aren't uh, able to get to him. We've got a lot more to come here. Gloria Gaither will actually... uh, be part of the next segment. I conducted an interview with her. It was lots of fun. And uh, she's got a new book out, A Book of Simple Prayers. Of course, she's got also a Grammy and Dove winning career. Uh, but we're going to air that interview next on Jerry Johnson Live. Stay with us. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special treat right now. With me is Gloria Gaither. And, of course, Gloria Gaither is a songwriter, singer with her husband. She's uh, been a Grammy Award winner, produced many albums. She's also, though, an author, and uh, she's written several books. She's with us today to talk about her latest, and it has to do with a topic that uh, should be of concern to every Christian, It should be something that uh, we want to enhance in our lives, and that is prayer. And Mrs. Gaither, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you this afternoon. First of all, before we get to your book, uh, which I'm very excited uh, about discussing with you, can you just kind of talk about your uh, singing ministry, your music ministry with your husband, and sort of where you are in that now? You've had years of success. Where are the two of you in that? Well, I, I, somebody always says, what's our long, long-range long plans for the future? We never had one at the beginning, so I don't think it's probably too late to get one now. I, I, I can't tell you where this is going. We um, have basically done what we found God had opened the doors for as we've gone along. We started as school teachers. I was a French and English teacher. Bill was an English teacher when we met. He was directing a choir at the church and had sung with his brother and sister through uh, college. And uh, they'd gone their separate ways when we met. So uh, it was not a career marriage. In fact, we were far into our relationship when he got the nerve to show me that he had written some songs. And I had always written poetry and academic stuff and uh, stories and things like that. So being literature majors, both of us, we just sort of hit it off over literature and politics at that point. But out of that developed writing songs to fill void. Bill's wonderful at getting great ideas, and he is, I think, genius at keeping music simple enough that it doesn't invade the lyric, yet creative enough that it carries the idea. Well, that is so true, because some of the lyrics and the music of your songs lived in my home uh, over the years, and because they're simple and they have such profound spiritual messages, uh, they've affected my life and uh, brought me you know, up in times of being down, for instance. And I'm looking at uh, titles that are familiar to our listeners, uh, like Because He Lives, Something Beautiful. There's something about that name. I mean, there's just pages and pages of titles, and you have you know, been so, I would say, influential in the lives of Christians for a generation, and uh, you've actually brought such joy, I believe, into the lives of many people. But Mrs. Gaither, I want to go to your book, because you, as you said, you love words in songs and in books that you've written, and you've written many, but also in prayer. And this uh, book is actually a book of prayers, isn't it? Yes. Actually, I think every interview has asked me how when I started pre- uh, journaling prayer. I never have. I've never written down a prayer in my life. 
I've always prayed in public and in private, but I have never written prayers, and I don't keep a prayer journal. This book was a very personal response to a time when I had some issues with God, and I wasn't finding it easy to pray. And fortunately, when we aren't talking to God, He talks to us anyway. And I would still myself to finish a project or write something, get someplace where I could finish a project, and in getting still, I would be distracted by something in the news or in my environment or in nature or in, my, in just something I saw or heard. And as I sat still enough to notice that, I was aware that God was saying something to me. I had a little notebook in my purse that I would take out and write what I felt I would say, are you saying this? Is this what you're saying? Are you talking to me? So was this in a time of prayer that these things no. would come into your mind, or just any time throughout Regular, the day? It was almost always when I, when I sat down to write something else, because otherwise my life is crazy as most people's lives. It's just, you know, lots and lots of elements. And because I am a writer, I would block out time to finish something or do something that I was working on or was assigned or, you know, some backliner for a jacket or for some article for something that I had to finish. But when I got still, God talked to me in parables. And all of these were my response to him. And I kept them hidden in my purse. And when I filled that notebook, I got another and hid it in my closet. And I didn't, I thought they were way too personal to share with anybody. And only in time with hindsight did, and I work a great deal with women, and I speak a lot with women in retreat settings where I get feedback from them. And over years of that, during, before, and since, I have come to the conclusion that I am not all that unique, that everybody has times when they have issues with God. And fortunately, that doesn't throw him one bit. All right. Is this called a prayer journal or is this no, called is something not. else? It's just a collection that, like I said, I protected until a publisher said, are you writing anything? And in truth, I said, well, I have a collection of prayers, but I don't think they're for publication. And she said, can I see them? And that's how this book happened. Well, Gloria, okay, then I don't feel like I'm being too intrusive in asking you what the topics are since you've actually put it in a book that's been uh, been published. I might have been reticent otherwise. But what were these issues that you had with God? Many. I think when things of life come, they come in clusters, and it's the clusters that we can't deal with. I think one at a time we're pretty good at, you know, doing all the things that we've been taught in our spiritual lives. And I'm not putting that down, but I'm just telling you that no book on prayer ever helped me much because I don't think it's how we pray. It is that we pray. And I think what we're not taught is that prayer is 50% listening. And in this case, it was totally listening and my response to listening. So God was the initiator of this conversation. And these are just my responses. And I don't think that people should say, oh, well, I can't, I don't pray well because I don't have the right words or I'm not theologically trained or, you know, I, I think that it is sort of like Nike. I think God just like us to show up. When my kids come in the door, I don't say to them, okay, first, before I pay attention to you, I want you to thank me for everything I've ever done and praise me for being such a marvelous parent to you. And I want you to tell me that you have an account of everything I've ever given you. And then maybe you could humbly ask me to take you to dinner. I think that we are systems people, and I think that frustrates God to pieces. I think he is relationship, and I think that's what he wants from us. 
My guest is Gloria Gaither, and her book is A Book of Simple Prayers. So is this book, Gloria, is it the actual prayers that you prayed back to God in response to what he showed you? I couldn't pray them with my voice. And I think you can pray with a pen. I prayed them with my pen, and that is what is here. I'll give you an example. Do you have time? Please do. Sometimes I can't sleep, Lord. At night, everything looms large before my mind. At night, the issues of the day organize themselves into an army, marching like an enemy, advancing to pillage my storehouse of peace. Worries and concerns of the day turn into terrors of the night. Simple shortcomings and human frailties become terminal failures for which there is no grace or mercy. I feel as if I am slipping off a precipice and the sapling I grasp is coming up by the roots. I am alone and a stalker lurches in the shadows. I know, Lord, that you are not the author of confusion. You are never the source of fear, for fear is the opposite of faith. I recognize the terror of the night as the imposition of Satan. So I've made Satan a promise. If he awakes me in the night, I will spend every sleepless moment praying. I will pray for my children. I will intercede for the lost. I will lift up my husband to the Father. I will pray for the salvation of my neighborhood, our country, the world. I will pledge with the psalmist to spend every waking hour remembering you on my bed. I will meditate on you in the night watches. Since I made this promise, I find I win either way. If I am awake, I have sweet communion with you, Lord. Where I doze, I have peaceful rest. Selah. Hmm. Well, it's good advice there. If you uh, if you can't sleep, then pray, and you'll either pray or you'll sleep, and both of those things will be good. Well, that came from you know one of those nights when things in the night always seem so huge that you can't tackle it. I'm such a morning person, and so there are several in here about morning and the gift of morning, because for me, morning is the time when I say, I can take this apart now. I can deal with this piece of it today, and I can deal with this piece of it tomorrow. Gloria, why do you think that is? Because I believe that most people have this, where things, uh, problems loom much larger in the night watch than they do in the morning. What is it about night and morning? Do you have any spiritual insight on that? Well, I don't think that it is an accident that all through the scripture, light and not and darkness are metaphors. I think that darkness is the territory of Satan and the promise of heaven, although we all love the evening and the stars and the sunsets, and I don't think that we will miss the things we love. But I think that the promise of heaven is there will be no darkness at all. And I think that is probably metaphorically true, because he himself is the light. And I, I think when we have our consciousness and we have chosen to follow Christ, Satan knows that that's quite a powerful arsenal. But when we slip into unconsciousness or, you know, at least the lights are out and it's dark, I think he can blow things up in our minds. So I think the metaphor is a very biblical one. There's just something about morning that you start to notice. For one thing, I think the light changes in the morning are symbolic of our lives, that, that we have to look at things from different perspectives. I love the morning color. I, I love the dawn, what it does to the, to the colors, uh, to the trees, to the grass. I love what evening does. I love what noontime does. And those all give us perspectives because it's different slantings of light. But it's all about light. It was really a pleasure to interview Gloria Gaither on her new book, A Simple Book of Prayers. We're going to continue that interview in the next segment. But, you know, it is interesting. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. And so it's helpful to have a book, and you can just pray those prayers in the book. I mean, Jesus taught us to pray in the Bible. 
and they taught us how to pray. And I think uh, Gloria is doing so and just sort of sharing her heart in this book. And, you know, of course, there's many reasons for prayer. I mean, it's it's not really making demands on God, but you certainly are told to ask for things. In uh, Matthew 7, for instance, it says, when you ask, receive. When you seek, you find. Uh, But also, we're commanded to pray for others, uh, supplication for others, and also for yourself and your own ministry. We're going to talk more about prayer with Gloria Gaither right after this. Stay tuned for more of Jerry Johnson Live. College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. And now let's go immediately back to our interview with singer, songwriter, and author of this new book, A Simple Book of Prayers, Gloria Gaither. Gloria, talk to some of our listeners who are out there who are going through a dry period and uh, they're either not praying, they're believers, they love the Lord. But they're they're dry. They don't feel like God is even hearing their prayers. Uh, they may be praying, uh, but as I said, it's, it's just coming back empty in a sense. They're not sensing that God is uh, even speaking to them. How do we get over those periods in our lives? Because we all have them. I think for one thing that one of one of Satan's best tricks for us all is shame. I think he's always shaming us. And the people that have been difficult in our lives, if we go back, it is because they shamed us in some way. If conviction comes, it comes from God, I have learned. And it is very specific, like, you hurt that person's feelings when you said that. You should call them. Or, I think there was a misunderstanding in that room today. You should clear that up. Mm-hmm. Or, I think when God convicts us, he doesn't play games. But Satan plays games. And he just makes us feel down, depressed, clouded. Something isn't clear. We, can't, we assume that it's something wrong with us. We feel guilt, and we don't know what the guilt is for. That is Satan. And I think when we come to recognize that, and then is the time when we can use the powerful name of Jesus at that point and say, with the blood of Christ, I command you to, to go. And then if there is something that is, if it is really God that is talking to our hearts, he will be very specific. 
and I think Satan loves to cloud whole, whole sections of our lives. And I know there are some listening to me today that deal with depression. And I think depression is one of the things that Satan takes advantage of when our chemistry gets out of balance or anything. I think that he takes advantage of anything. Night is one of those things to accuse us. The scripture says he is the accuser of the brethren. God does not accuse. God teaches Hmm. like a parent. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. My guest is Gloria Gaither. We're talking about prayer. And Gloria, as um, a mother and grandmother, I know that one of your strong suits has been... uh, Family time, family gatherings, ways to keep the family together, and just that creativity that way. And, of course, praying for your family is all part of that. But can you give us some thoughts about family? Because um, it's it's strong in my life now as I just uh, sent my son back uh, to his home, uh, which is halfway across the country. You know, families <laughs> spread out. Uh, but how can we as parents and grandparents creatively keep our families uh together, at least in communication uh, as Christians? Well, I, there's a lot of bad things. In fact, I have one in this book about our, our thirst for knowledge bringing us the Internet. And so in general, I, I'm not a big fan of the Internet and of computer communications, although we're stuck in it. But um, one advantage that I can see of it is long-distance familying, and that is that we're, we're much closer now where we can, like if I see, for instance, the sun coming over, over over Gaither's Pond, and I know my children are far from that. You know, it's very easy to take to email them a picture and write them a little note and say, it seems like you should be sitting around this pond. You know, I miss you today. And they know you're thinking about them. And let them know. And, and, and now we can actually see why we're thinking about them. We can actually immediately send them an image of why we miss them today. There are just so many things. I think we can write creative things to grandchildren with the Internet. My guest is Gloria Gaither, and, of course, this book, uh, A Book of Simple Prayers, uh, is an encouragement for people. Also, the music. uh, And, Gloria, I want to ask, what is the latest project for you and Bill? Is there something uh, coming down the pipe? Well, the book we're discussing is uh, is the latest thing I have published um, uh, in our musical life. This next week, we are doing... um, a vocal band reunion taping. Um, everybody has said, when are you ever going to get all the people that have ever been in the vocal band? See, the, we traveled 20 years as a trio, Bill and his brother. And right. Me. And then that sort of evolved out of, uh, we had some backup vocals and the two guys in the backup vocals, and at that time, Gary McSpannon and Bill were the trio. Uh, just on a fluke, one intermission worked up a song for second half as a quartet. And that was the beginning of the vocal band. So that's been many, many people ago. So we are pulling together all the people who have ever been in the vocal band next week, and, and we're going to have a big reunion here. So that should be just plain old fun. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, one last question, and I'll just, I'll just go back to the book. What do you hope people take from this? Why should someone uh, get the book? What kind of situation in their life uh, sort of did you write this uh, for, for folks out there? Just regular life stuff. I think this would be a really good book to give to people who don't know the Lord, because I find that most people pray, whether they really have what evangelicals would call a relationship with God or not. I think people have a relationship with God. And sometimes I think secular people pray more than Christians. So I think prayer is a common denominator. There was just a survey done of Americans, and about I think it was like 90% of Americans said they pray. Even people who said they didn't believe in God pray. That's amazing. And honestly, you know, I think we all 
find ourselves into things in things that um, that perplex us. Let me share one more with you if you have time. And sure. This is a, a kind of example that I'm talking about. Lord, today I don't know what to say to you. I've tried listening instead, but I can't hear what you're saying. Our friend's bright young son, just becoming a jet pilot after finishing aviation college and so full of promise, fell from a mountain in the Alps where he and his buddy were mountain climbing. I don't know what to say to these parents. I don't know what to say to our children. I don't know what to say to you. Show me how to sort out my faith in all this. I know you don't owe us an explanation, but we still can't help asking for enough understanding to go on praying. I'm not asking for these sorts of human tragedies to make sense. The laws that govern gravity and cause and effect are already in place. I'm only asking to see you more clearly in the center of the pain, bringing peace. You are teaching us how fragile human life is and how eternal, eternal life. Help me to embrace life for this family while we struggle with the realities of death. When today, I don't quite know how. I think that's a prayer that could be prayed uh, prayed a thousand times over. Gloria, thank you. You know, the Lord's Prayer really gives us a model for prayer. And I think your book uh, just takes some situations that are universal and helps us understand ways that we could pray. Thank you so much for the book. And thank you really for a lifetime and also a future lifetime of ministry. Thank you, Pam. It's great to be with you today. God bless you, Gloria. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, next week uh, you'll have to join us. First of all, Dr. Johnson will be back uh, at least by Tuesday, perhaps Monday. But uh, also on Monday, adoption's been in the news. John McCain has actually talked about it. He's an adoptive dad. We're going to bring in Bruce Kendrick to talk about adoption and foster care. He's with Embrace Ministry. And on Tuesday, Pastor Tony Campolo, one of those uh, left wing pastors. Uh, He's got a book, Red Letter Christians, and he will be joining us, and that ought to be a lot of fun. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, Gloria Gaither talked about people who pray who might not even know the Lord. Uh, Do you pray sometimes, but you don't know what's going to happen after you die? Well, uh, the book of Romans, in chapter 3, it says, all have sinned. Then in chapter 6, it says, the wages of sin is death. Really, without Christ, we're slaves to sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Admit your sin. Trust Christ to forgive your sin. In Romans 8, it says there's no condemnation for him who is in Christ Jesus. Trust Christ to forgive your sin. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.